0: the I cannot see you and I can't explain why such a deep
1: This is a day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I hope you're having a great day. I'm so glad you've joined me for this worship opportunity this evening. Again, we will attempt to turn the studio into a church, and I encourage you to be in prayer as we worship together. My prayer is that the word and the music will be meaningful to your life. Would you hear now please the reading of God's word? It comes from Philippians. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I suffer the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. But this is the key verse. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me please for a moment of prayer. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in all things. It's in your name. Amen. I buried a friend of mine the other day. This man was a marvelous, good, authentic human being. He was a man of faith, a man of compassion, a man of good deeds. He was just an all-around great man. His favorite song was the spiritual rendition of Higher Ground, and it was beautifully sung at his funeral. Now the song speaks of the songwriter's perseverance and resolve to walk in the paths of God and of Jesus. It also was a prayer that God would bless his efforts as he continued toward his journey's end. The first stanza goes like this, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as i onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Higher ground was not only the favorite song of my friend, it was the favorite theme of the Apostle Paul. For Paul, the greatest hope of his life was that he would become more like Christ. It was also the greatest aspiration of the community of faith, that they too would become more like Christ and experience his power. Paul expressed his deepest yearning this way, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now the Greek verb used here, means to know, indicates personal knowledge. This is more than just an intellectual knowledge, it's more than just understanding affirmations and creeds and things of that sort. It is not simply knowing about Christ, it is actually knowing Christ. Paul wanted to know Christ in a relationship of faith and trust. If we were to ask a number of people, what is the thing you most desire in your life? What is one of the best things in your life? People might mention love and hope and forgiveness and all of those things. But if we were to ask Paul what is the best main thing in his life, he would say, knowing Christ, above everything else, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So what does it mean to know Christ? I'm not just talking about knowing about Christ, I'm talking about knowing Christ. I want to share with you a few of Paul's directions. First of all, to know Christ is to experience a joy that cannot be shaken. To know Christ is to experience a joy that cannot be shaken. You know this whole idea of Paul writing about joy, in this biblical book. It's one of the most astounding things in all the world. As a prisoner, Paul was not slated for parole. As a matter of fact, he was sitting on death row. And the people he was writing this to, the Philippians, they were having a very, very difficult time, to say the least. Yet here was this continuing emphasis on joy, a joy that was durable, a joy that was indestructible. Notice, however, that it's a special kind of joy that possessed Paul. It was a joy independent of earthly circumstances. Fortunate, favorable, or successful circumstances did not weigh into the picture here at all. This was a joy, a joy that was absolutely there no matter what happened, no matter whether the circumstances were favorable or unfavorable. This, of course, was a joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. For Paul, knowing Christ, was everything he needed as an individual, and it was everything the church needed as a community of faith. That's what made the difference. It was Christ in his life. Now, Paul had never known this gallant man of Galilee in the flesh. The Christ Paul knew was the risen Christ, the same Christ that had brought Joy to these disciples when they were in mourning. The same Christ that brought inspiration to the people on the Emmaus road. The same Christ that was in the vision that blinded Paul on the Damascus road. In other words, he knew the Christ of the resurrection. And that's the Christ that we know. After Jesus Christ, Paul's life changed immensely. He didn't worry about circumstances or anything else. He knew that Christ was with him in all things. Consequently, there was no way he could be dejected in prison or in any other situation because Christ was with him. A minister shared that one morning in winter, it was a very drizzly day. He went out to the airport. He was going to preach in a distant city. He went out to the airport and he got aboard this plane and he said for 30 minutes he could feel the plane going up through the clouds. And finally it got over the clouds and there was the clear sky just as blue as ever in the sunlight. He said, for two hours that plane went along over the clouds, and then it descended back through the clouds and it landed in the distant city where it was raining. The people that met him said it had been raining for days, and people were beginning to show the stress and strain of all of that rain. Was this the final state of things? Was this how it was all going to end? That minister said, all that day as I moved about in the slush and the mud, I had a feeling that I knew a secret. He said, the clouds are lies, the blue sky is the truth, the sun is still shining. He said, just knowing this made a difference in the way I felt all that dismal day long. That's what Paul meant by knowing Christ. Knowing Christ enabled him to handle all the circumstances of life that came before him. How very important that is to understand that. Several years ago, as members of the World Methodist Executive Committee, some of us went over to Estonia, and we also went to Varna, Bulgaria. While we were there, the pastor of the Varna Methodist Church wanted to have a special night for those of us who were there on the World Methodist Council Executive Committee. And so he led a celebration along with his wife and the church people. And what they did was they had a lady that sang with an accordion. They had some youth singing and some children singing and dancing. They had some special gifts for us. They had a, a message from the pastor. But they had some testimonies, and as I listened to these testimonies, I couldn't help but think of the joy that they were giving. One of the testimonies was given by a superintendent. He was 70 years old. He had been looking after the Varna Methodist Church and all the churches in the area. He was a superintendent. As I said, he was past 70. He had to be lifted up by two people and brought to the podium. He had to brace himself so he could stand at the podium. And all he spoke about was the goodness of God and the optimism of the church. Later we found out he had been in a communist prison camp for 12 years because he would not deny his faith. And then a widow stood up and she talked about her husband. She said her husband was in a prison camp not once but twice because he would not stop preaching the gospel. And because he would write letters for Christ. They warned him but nevertheless he continued to be faithful to his faith. And he suffered because of his faith. As I said, the thing that struck me about these testimonies and all the other testimonies was the sheer joy that these people had in their lives. They were not melancholy. They were not talking about the sufferings of the past. They were talking about the joy that possessed them in their souls even now. You know, it may be that we have not experienced this joy in the Christian faith. Well, let me just ask you a question or two. How much time are you spending consciously in Christ? I'm talking about immersing yourself in the atmosphere of Christ. That means reading the Bible, walking through the pages of the gospel with Jesus. That means conversing with him in prayer. That means participating with him in some kind of meaningful ministry. You know, it could very well be that if we would immerse ourselves more consciously in the atmosphere of Christ, that we too could understand this joy that shall not be taken away from us jesus said your joy shall be with you and nothing will take your joy away from you and so then secondly to know christ is to break the chains of yesterday and refuse to look back to know christ is to break the chains of yesterday and refuse to look back undoubtedly the apostle paul knew that one of the real secrets of effective living and serving was having the capacity to forget, was having the capacity to forget. He said, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In T.S. Eliot's book, The Cocktail Party, an unidentified guest says to Edward, don't strangle each other with knotted memories. Isn't that what we do periodically? We strangle each other with knotted memories, be it in business, in the church, be it in the community, in our homes, in our marriages, and in all of our lives. Let me give you a humorous incident of how this happened. There was a doctor who had been in practice for over 50 years. One of his friends, a fellow by the name of Pete, had to go into the hospital, so he decided to go to see him. Well, he went to the door, and just as he was about to go in, he overheard a conversation between Pete and his wife, Rose, and he thought it was rather personal. So he just stayed at the door, and this is the conversation he heard. Pete said to Rose, he said, You know, you didn't want me to drop out of school. You wanted me to get an education, but I dropped out anyway, and you stood with me. You didn't want me to go off to war but I went off to war anyway and got wounded, and you stood with me. You were not sure I should make this investment in business, but I did, and I lost out, and you stood with me. And he said, you still wanted me to build this home, and I did, but it burned. But in spite of the fact that it burned, you stood with me. He said, Rose, there's just one thing I want to say. After all of these years, you must be bad luck. You see, we strangle each other with knotted memories. He was strangling his wife with a knotted memory. Now, Paul, when he tells us to forget what lies behind, he's not telling us to literally forget the past. Paul is not going to forget the past. As a matter of fact, he told us about his life in the pages of Scripture, his sufferings and etc. So Paul did not mean to forget the past. Paul did mean, however, to have a right attitude about the past. In other words... Paul's past was not going to keep him from accomplishing God's will today and tomorrow. And that's essentially the message he would give to us. There was a Methodist bishop that said he went to uh, Tallinn, Estonia, and there he met Alexander Coombe. Alexander Coombe was one of the real strong patron saints of the church there. He had been the superintendent over all the churches. And yet, under Stalin's purges, He was a well-respected minister. He was taken off to Siberia, where he stayed five years until Stalin died. Then he was freed. Well, this bishop was listening to him speak at the 75th anniversary jubilee in Tallinn, and he said he gave a magnificent speech. He hardly ever focused on his past. He only focused on the future, the brightness and the hope of the future church in Estonia. But he said in a private moment, the bishop said, I talked to him, and the bishop said, I asked him, what about your sufferings in Siberia? And all he said as he looked at me with a smile was, you know, I got rid of my arthritis in Siberia. He said the atmosphere was so dry that I've never had any problem with it again, and I'm in my 80s. You see, here was somebody who had forgotten those things which are behind. In other words, he had the right attitude toward the past. In my early days of ministry, a young couple came in to see me. They were an outstanding couple. They had a beautiful family. But then as we were sitting there, the man suddenly said with tears in his eyes, he turned to me and he said, Hal, she loves another woman. Well, before things got better, and then he said she loves another man. Well, before things got better, they got worse. And it turns out that she actually became pregnant by the man. They had a baby. And I thought this was unforgivable in her to do that to that man and his beautiful children but then it wasn't unforgivable at all you see what happened that man took her back he took her back he refocused their family life he did everything he could for all the children even the one that she had had by another child he treated them all equally in other words they truly forgot those things that were behind they forgot those things that were behind. Here's a beautiful testimony to the gospel of forgiveness, the profound gospel of forgiveness. So to know Christ is to refuse to look back and to keep on going. And then thirdly, to know Christ is to move forward with determination. In chapter 3 of Philippians, we read these words, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the heavenly call of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here Paul is trying to tell us that he's trying to grasp that for which Christ grasped him when he was on the Damascus Road. In other words, he had the feeling that Christ had grasped him for a dream, a purpose, a vision, and he wanted to fulfill that vision that Christ had for him. He knew that if he didn't keep moving forward, he would disappoint Jesus. Let me say this, every last one of us is a dream of God. God has a purpose and a plan and a vision for all of us, and if we don't keep on moving forward, we're going to disappoint God and His vision for our lives. Hear me now. Knowing Christ is not just an initial experience. It's not just in conversion. When we are converted, we don't suddenly have an accomplished inner life. In other words, growth is essential. We are to grow in the knowledge and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul began his union with Christ in conversion, but he kept that union going through his devotional life, through his habits of practical Christianity, of being involved in the faith. Now, this is so important for us to realize that we need to grow in our faith. As the late Bishop Edward Tullis put us, he said, our destination as Christians is not some place Our destination as Christians, he says, is a new way of looking at life, the Christ way. So how do we look at Christ in a new way? Let me just mention what John Wesley called the means of grace. First of all, the means of grace for Wesley was the preaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the Bible, and of course that implies worship. But then John Wesley had three things that he really dwelt on as the means of grace. Number one was prayer, both individual and collective. Number two was searching the scriptures, Bible study, and reading the Bible devotionally. Number three was the Lord's Supper. We all know how valuable, how valuable this business of praying is. But for John Wesley, Holy Communion was more important than praying or Bible study or anything else. But then there was another thing that he considered a means of grace, and that was works of mercy. Works of mercy. As I said, John Wesley never let his his Christianity evolve into a private religion. As far as he was concerned, there was no holiness but social holiness. So we had to be involved in the life of the community. Now, so what does all of this mean in terms of our faith? First of all, in terms of love, forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Forgiveness is remember and forgive. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Forgiveness is remember and forgive. In terms of justice, love guarantees all children a childhood. All children a childhood. In terms of kindness, it's always what we do to help somebody else. Now, we may not be able to change the world for Christ, but I'll tell you what we can do. The next time we go to the grocery store, we can remember our faith. And when we line up in line with those two or three people around us, we can remember our faith and be kind to those people and speak to them and encourage them and then in terms of service it's just doing whatever it takes to make life better for other people gert bahana who is the a lady who was a remarkable person she went through three divorces she tried to commit suicide she was an alcoholic but at the age of 50 she was converted to christ after that she started going around telling people about jesus and thousands were converted because of gert bahana her book was called the late liz not long before she died, somebody asked Gert, said, Hey, Gert, what you been doing lately? She said, Well, I go into those gas station restrooms, and they're so dirty. She said, Sometime you have to wear a pair of to get around in them. And one day I said to the Lord, Look how this servant of yours is being treated. And he said to me, Hey, Gert, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And I said, Lord, you mean you use these restrooms too? And I suddenly realized the next person in that restroom was going to be Jesus Christ. And so she said, you better believe it made a difference of what I did. I started pulling those towels out of the box, and I cleaned the mirror, and I cleaned the sink, and, yeah, I cleaned the toilet seat, and then I said, well, Lord, there it is. I hope you enjoy it. That's what our Lord's kind of positive doing is all about. No trumpets, no fanfare, no publicity, just doing whatever it takes to make life better for the folks coming behind us. Several years ago, as I pastored a particular church, A unique woman joined the church. After church, she told me, she said, you know, I've been coming to this church for years. And when I first came to this church, I came with the arrogant assumption that this church needed me. But she said, after I got here, I came to the conclusion that I needed the church. So do we all. And so do we all need these spiritual disciplines and means of grace in our lives. I'm talking about everything from worship to Bible study, to prayer, to Holy Communion, being at the Lord's table, being at worship services, and doing works of mercy. Now, let me conclude with this. In Charlotte, North Carolina, there's the Billy Graham Museum. As you go to that museum, you will find the grave of Ruth Bell Graham, Billy's wife. The marker on the tombstone says this, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. If only we could see ourselves as Christians, as being people who are being constructed, even now, every day. Let us pray. Lord, thank you again for this day, for your presence. Thank you that you are indeed constructing things in our lives, constructing holiness, constructing Christ-likeness. Help us, O God, to be instruments of that construction to allow ourselves to be molded, and then in the process to help mold others into the likeness of the one we know is life, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me tonight. I trust that this has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll join us next week and share this with your friends. Good night.
2: Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shine? Should my heart be lonely And long for heaven and hope When Jesus is my portion My constant friend is he His eyes on the spur.